avoiding death, clinging to the tree, then relaxing and letting go, twirling down to their family and friends on the frost-covered ground. Had everything I'd been walking on once been alive? Had everything gone through the same experiences as the leaves? Were they alive even after death? Death is a difficult passage for any of us to understand. Yet it is clear that Charlotte Knopp gave death in the process of dying deep reflection. How did she come to these beliefs and questions at 11 years old? This poem was written a year after Charlotte's grandpa died. A year after the family floated his ashes from a boat on a misty northern Minnesota lake while a majestic eagle flew overhead. Charlotte's grandfather asked to die with his family near him in his final days. They talked and sang around his bed, massaged his arms and legs, and told stories. Charlotte cuddled with Grandma, seven-year-old Philip played near the bed, and Louisa, just four years old, curled up in Grandpa's arms, even as he became comatose. Charlotte's mother told her they were giving Grandpa a gift, a chance to die with dignity, surrounded by the people who loved him. Like Charlotte, all children want to make meaning out of the small and significant events and the experiences of their lives. Losing a loved one, the changing seasons, getting sick, or having something wonderful happen. The responses of people around them as they seek to make meaning can expand or constrict their spiritual growth. Many of us have come to this religion because we did not receive the care our developing spirits needed. As adults in this church, both parents and people without children, we are given the unique opportunity to nurture and embrace the spirits of the children in our first universalist community. We can help them not to close down in ways we may have closed down. If we provide them with the spiritual guidance they need, our children will flourish and share their innate sacred gifts opening us to spiritual deepening and renewal. Children challenge adults to grow in their understanding of life's wonders and difficulties. They want to know what we believe in, what we stand for. They force us to clarify our deepest beliefs. It's what we love and sometimes can't handle in children. Charlotte's parents knew enough about how they felt about death to share their thoughts and feelings about children. I mean, about death with their children. They realized that Charlotte's church attendance, although resisted at times, influenced the way their daughter integrated her beliefs and feelings about death that she explored in her poem. This helped give her the language to interpret and claim her spiritual experiences. Wouldn't we all have loved an experience like this when we were young? Some of us had it, many did not. This story illustrates how children and adults need each other to make sense of life's mysteries. Each of us, all of us, can help the children of our church make meaning of our faith through personal connections, community rituals, and support of their religious education. Their spiritual grounding is our hope for the future. Our church mission statement says, our ministry is to bring the universalist message of love and hope to one another, to each other, to our children, 
and to the work of social justice. How can we help our children grow in spirit and experience our message of love and hope? What gets in the way? I want to share three specific barriers to their spiritual growth that became apparent to me this fall after teaching a class here entitled Nurturing Our, Spirit, Our Children's Spiritual Intelligence. I taught it here and also at the UU Church of Minnetonka. First, we sometimes find it difficult to share our spiritual values with our children because we are not sufficiently grounded in our own beliefs. Secondly, many of us have religious wounds that create an unwillingness to explore the spiritual discoveries and questions we have. And lastly, we lack an understanding of children's spiritual needs at different ages. The first barrier to sharing our spiritual lives with children is related to a lack of awareness of our own beliefs. To be ready to partner with children, we need to develop our own personal theology within the context of the UU principles. We'll each do it in different ways that fit who we are, meditating, ritual groups, creating, reading, social action, prayer, movement, or attending the small guided discussion groups after church. If you came to this religion from another, do you know what this one means to you? Are you interested in exploring the history, the teachings, the prophets, and the leaders of Unitarian Universalism? Have you explored your beliefs about death, prayer, God, evil, miracles, and forgiveness? What does compassion, service, and justice mean to you? How do you express it in your life? We show our children what we have faith in by our commitments and how we live. This is a boundless process that will unfold throughout our lives. We are, after all, yellow, yearning to learn you use who follow the rainbow path. Can we welcome the evolution of faith and the evolution of children's beliefs at each stage of their growth? The second barrier relates to previous negative religious experiences that discourage us from exploring our spiritual selves. One theme repeated by parents in the spirituality classes of last fall was a deep desire to provide spiritual comfort and ritual to their children. They wanted to provide some religious structure, but did not want the rigidity that can sometimes come with organized religion. What a dilemma we have. It is hard to give structure and ritual to children's religious education and calm responses to their spiritual questions if we are running ourselves from our religious history. Many of us, and I include myself, came to the, this religion, at least in part, because of the betrayals we faced in our growing years. In fact, I have a nun right back here in my emotional brain, and I still get scared when I think of Sister Marguerite. <laughs> think about yourself as a growing child. Do you remember an experience that damaged your sense of the sacred? If we have not healed these spiritual wounds, they will stay with us and influence the children in our care. One father from the class related an incident that illustrates this. He arrived home with his son from First Universalist one Sunday when a neighbor child shouted, Where have you been? His son joyfully called out, I was at church. This simple word, church, sent a shiver of discomfort through the father's body. 
In that instant, he forgot he was not at the church of his childhood. Do you recognize that shiver? Our bodies are windows to our souls and signal us to heal old wounds. This father had the courage to see this shiver as a signal of something deeper, something he needed to take a look at. Reverend Rebecca Parker is someone I see as a present-day UU prophet. In her book, Blessing the World, she writes that one thing needed for us to begin to bless the world is a new theology that turns inward as well as outward and assists in a healing of the fragmented self. Spiritual engagement with children gives us the opportunity to go deeper, to recognize and heal these wounds. By caring for ourselves in this way, we care for our children as we become a clear channel for our message of love and hope. The last barrier I mentioned was the challenge we face in partnering with children if we don't understand how they see the world and develop their faith. James Fowler outlined how faith develops in his book, The Stages of Faith. For Fowler, faith is a universal quality of human life. In a sermon a few months back, our interim minister, Charlotte Cowton, reviewed Fowler's stages of faith development as it relates to our congregation and the individuals in it. Here's the short version that corresponds directly to children. New babies develop trust and faith in the world by receiving consistent love and care from their parents and other important people in their lives. Preschoolers are affirmed and blossom when adults accept and join in their intuitive and magical way of looking at the world. School-age children develop their faith by learning and telling the stories and singing the songs of their community. Teens align with other teens to work at integrating their identity and personal ideals with the inconsistencies in the teaching of the adults in their faith community. Not that we have any of those. When we don't pay attention and respond to what children need at each stage, and we teach them in adult-like ways, we can short-circuit a child's spiritual discoveries, graphic video games, movies, cynicism, or forcing adult logic on them can harm a child's sense of wonder and possibility. Younger children build faith in themselves and others by physically experiencing it through open-ended questions, stories, and playful activities, not lectures. Teens, while resisting it, need the protection and support of spiritually grounded adults as they explore culturally taboo topics of sex, race, death, and religion. They need adults to push up against and adults to keep them safe through their spiritual explorations. Children require a world where love and optimism reign. If we give them that, they give us hope and faith in endless possibilities. I'd like to tell you two stories of children and their parents who have enriched our community with their spiritual explorations. The first story is about five-year-old Jason and three-year-old Caitlin, who you have probably seen in the social hall laughing and playing. Along with their dad and mom, Pam and Umesh, they occasionally drive past homeless people holding signs on street corners on their way to church on Sunday mornings. One day, Jason, who was just beginning to read, asked, Mommy, what does homeless mean? The simple answer, it means he doesn't have a home, was not sufficient, and this conversation would recur every week. Either Jason or Caitlin would say, Well, why doesn't he get a house? 
Well, perhaps he cannot afford to buy one. Well, he can stay with us in the basement. It became difficult for Pam and Umesh to share the words on the signs. Absolute desperation. Anything, anything helps. What do you say to children this young? A conversation began about what homeless people might need. Jason suggested, well, maybe we could give them food. Caitlin added, yeah, like macaroni and cheese. The family talked about how their favorite food would get cold or spilled if it was handed to someone on the street corner. Jason and Caitlin suggested just giving them a box of mac and cheese. Their mother wondered with them, do you think a person without a home would have a pot, a stovetop, some butter and milk? Ultimately, the discussion led to a small list of items that could be bagged up, kept in the car, and given to someone whose sign begged for help. Now on Sunday mornings, three-year-old Caitlin would shout, Remember, Mommy, the homeless bags. The discovery of something that could, they could do filled them with optimism and led to a social justice project. Here at our church, one evening last month, over a hundred teens, parents, single people, and elders joined to make homeless bags with granola bars, socks, apples, and other things, and messages of love and hope. I am so proud to say that this is the work of our church. We did it together by listening to two very wise young children. Any of us can have this kind of conversation. Whether we have children of our own or not, we can do it as an RE teacher, a mentor, or a playmate at church events. The second story is about a friend of mine, Jamie Meyer, leader of the Drumming the Soul Awake community that is sponsored by AUW and is meets here twice a month. I mentioned the positive impact of sharing our spiritual lives with our children to him. Jamie said he didn't want to put his weird stuff on his children. By weird stuff, I think he meant Nordic chanting, drumming, and communing with the reindeer goddess. That weird stuff that Jamie shares openly and awesomely with the drumming community was hard to imagine sharing with his own children because of our cultural, religious taboos. Recently, Jamie included his son in his spiritual practice while preparing for a solstice ceremony for Wisdom Ways at St. Kate's College. In turn, his son helped him develop some reindeer symbols used in the ritual. Participants were enriched by his son's contributions to the ceremony. Father and son have a fuller spiritual partnership. When has a child been a spiritual teacher to you? When have you been a spiritual teacher to a child, whether your own or a child in your circle of care? If you are not a parent or your children are grown, can you find a way to positively influence a child in our community? We develop a partnership with children when we listen and acknowledge their wisdom and share with them our beliefs and spiritual practices through our words and through our actions. What a gift to let them know that as adults, our spiritual life is not static, but ever-changing, and we have much to discover with them. We show them commitment to our spiritual growth by attending and participating in the life of this church. We can build on the traditions and rituals of our Unitarian Universalist faith. We have the flaming chalice, the flower communion, peace and justice activities, our closing songs and other traditions, 
that give children and adults a strong place to anchor. As Mark Ritchie shared so eloquently a few weeks ago, we have a rich heritage and a loving faith that we can be proud to share with the children of this church. How many of us have the same needs as the children of our faith community? Don't we too want to be surrounded with love and hope to help us bring the spirit of optimism and faith into the future? Can we benefit from developing an appreciation of the mystery of life through imagination and ritual? Would it be gratifying to integrate our faith by writing poems, painting pictures, singing songs, and telling stories of what this faith means to us? How would our community benefit if we each explored our beliefs more thoroughly and presented a faith statement to the congregation as we asked the ninth graders to do in the coming of age ritual. Gandhi made a statement that many you use treasure. We must be the change we want to see. Let's travel this road of change together with the children in our care. Our community, our community can come to a new place of compassion and commitment, and the children of First Universalists can help to bring us there.